The Big 12 game of the week, Kansas Jayhawks at Texas Longhorns edition of the Big 12 Experience on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time. Snag those tickets without stress. Use the promo code CFBX on your first purchase. Save $20. Download the Game Time app and use the promo code CFBX. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, play Underdog, play and pick them or in college or NFL. Win 20 times in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy at a 100% deposit up to $500. And last but not least, we're brought to you by VSIN. Sign up now and save 40% off uh, their football season special just when you use the promo code SGP. VSIN.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code SGP. Welcome, everybody, back to the Big 12 College Experience, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Hey, man, we got our openers out of the way. We're on to week two in the Big 12, week five in the college football season. And we got a great one for you for the game of the week. The Jayhawks, back-to-back. I know that it's not basketball season yet. They're back as our Big 12 game of the week on the gridiron. They're going down to that filthy place in Austin, Texas, to take on the Texas Longhorns. But you're wondering who you're listening to i am moneyline mac aka the former former video coordinator for bob huggins and frank martin and he joined each and every episode he was born in provo utah they got a big friday night game against the bearcats of cincinnati uh mm-hmm. family names iowa also want to know in the big 12 but he lives in morgantown west virginia and he thought texas tech was gonna get that done get that out of here rambling rush how about them mountaineers want to know baby Let's go. It, it's great. Guns down, baby. Uh, w- watch the game out here in uh, San Diego, visiting San Diego for a little bit. And I'll tell you what is quick side note about California. I went to the San Diego State Boise State Aztecs game uh, Friday night. I think I was the biggest Aztecs fan there and I have no relationship to them there. Like they're just kind of like calm, cool, collective. They're like, oh, yeah, football. Yeah, cool. Hey, go out there. Do your best. I'm like screaming, run the ball. <laughs> And but hey, college football's back. Even if I have to bring it out to the West Coast, get people going. But excited to have Andy on today. I uh, we didn't get to go on last week talk with the BYU Kansas preview. But hey, I guess now I'm cheering for Kansas, even though it's a it's a tough one last week. But when we bring them, look forward to bringing them on. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk a little recap of that BYU game because that was our game of the week last week. But uh, man in the middle, third man in the box, batting in the three hole. Uh, He's got always a family civil war in the Big 12, whether it's in Norman, Stillwater, Waco, Fort Worth, family everywhere, seeds spread among Orlando, Cincinnati. He is the Big 12 guru. Troy, what's going on, man? It was a uh, it was a worrisome week. I know you guys know the uh, my buddy that I live with, Jim, is a Florida State fan. So we started off the afternoon getting blasted watching Florida State, and we went through a pack and a half of Marlboro Lights, just sitting there like, <laughs> "What the hell is going on?" So that wasn't great. I'm trying to pay attention to Oklahoma on the side TV. Every time that I thought that they kind of were going to start rolling, they never did. So I 
very worrisome week for me. Not a not a lot of juice drinking as much as last week. Yeah, as a guy that uh, bet Clemson, pretty bitter about that loss, to be honest. They covered literally the entire game except the final score. Uh, shout out to that goddamn kicker that missed that missed that twenty nine yarder to cost me that back money to grad line school, winner. baby. Yeah, go back to fucking grad school at Furman or wherever you were. But uh, before we bring on our guest from the Kansas Jayhawks, we got to talk about game time because uh, hey, if you're looking to go to Austin and watch those Jayhawks and Longhorns, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fastest, easiest way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy and a theater near you with killer last minute deals and best price guaranteed. You can stop trusting over the tickets and start getting hype and having fun. You don't got to worry about budgeting. You, you can wait all the way up to the last minute rush. You did it this weekend, San Diego state oh, yeah. Padres. You got on that game time app, didn't you? Yeah, it was great. Went to the Dodgers game, uh, went to LA for the weekend. That's an interesting place, but a conversation for another time. Um, San Diego State uh, game I just brought up. And then, of course, the Padres used game time for all of them. Knew where my seats were. Got great. It was awesome. It's it's the best ticket out out there. Shout out game time. Yes. Shout out to game time. Get the images of your seat before you buy it so you don't have obstructed view. You don't want to go Dan Snyder, old old pulling one on you, putting you behind a pole, charging you $200 a goddamn seat at FedEx Field. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Uh, download the game time app, creating a code CFBX $20 off first purchase terms apply again, create an account, redeem code CFBX $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed and brought to you by underdog fantasy because it has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. You can win 20 times your money in a single game by simply going five for five from now until October the 4th. So you got just under 10 days. Underdog is matching 100% deposit up to $500. $100,000 Sundays continue Underdog Fantasy. Total of $2 million prizes. $100,000 prizes this week. $10,000 for, uh, for 10 people this week. New sweepstakes every week of the NFL season. Uh, Troy, you're going to be on. Who, who's your big underdog matchup this week? And We got a defense we want to pick on. Maybe uh, back some UCF Knights guys. Against that Baylor defense? Do we? Yeah, I guess you probably don't need too good of a quarterback to do that. I was, I was thinking the just stick with Dylan against uh, Iowa State. I mean, they're not going to yeah, be able yeah. to keep up with that team. I don't think. Not it's we not going to be an impressive win, but Ohio, Iowa State's just not a great matchup this year for Oklahoma. Yep, we shall. And see. Dylan's been clutch on the props. He has been clutch, and so is Jalen Daniels. So maybe we go Daniels back to the well against Texas. He's had their number. And when you use this uh, sign-up code, SGPN Underdog will double your first deposit up to $500. Underdog Fantasy promo code SGPN. And we are back on the Big 12 College Experience talking Jayhawks, Longhorns, and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Andy Mitz from the Rock Chalk Podcast. Uh, Andy, the Big 12 basketball season was our schedule was released today. Uh, we will talk about that another time, but no, we're not bringing you on to talk that. We're talking Jayhawk football back to back week. What's up, man? And welcome back. Yeah, not only Jayhawk football, but ranked Jayhawk football. So, <laughs> yes, ranked. Yes, yes, indeed. One of only two teams ranked Kansas. 
we n- we never thought we'd see that coming. And then Texas, who, who's leaving here. So obviously a big matchup uh, this week, Andy. Let's let's rewind to last week. Uh, your team, rightfully so, when BYU turns the ball over three times and can't establish a running game. Kansas absolutely deserved to win that game. My team, I grew up cheering for the good old BYU Cougars. What about that game? Were, were there any what what questions did you have in that game that got answered? Whether it was, hey, like we're you know we can shut down the run game against BYU. We're able to turn the ball over. We got the home field, you know, involved. Or and were there also concerns that you're like, Ooh, we got to button up against Texas in this area? Well, I mean. You talk, you know, start start with the defensive line, right? Because I think that was what everybody was worried about coming into the year. And even with all the good performances that they had, like you played an Illinois team that had a great offensive line last year, but it looks like they probably have some issues coming into this year. Um, you worried about like going up against BYU, the first team that has a very solid offensive line, a lot of older guys that are very mature and really know how to play the position the way that they need to. What's Kansas going to be able to get the kind of pressure? And and they did. They got a ton of pressure on Keaton Slovis, like all game long, so much so that they got tons of pressure on him and then played off on the receivers to make it so that Keaton Slovis had to beat them with quick passes. And sure, he did that. He got a ton of yards on those quick passes, but you also saw, you know, it took them 10, 11 plays to drive down the field. And so I think the fact that you can get that sort of pressure against good defensive, I'm sorry, good offensive linemen has to have you feeling pretty good about what this team can do. Obviously, Texas take that a step forward. But this Texas offensive line has had some struggles. You know, they're like their biggest feather in their cap is the way that they played against Alabama. But we've now seen in the last two weeks, Alabama is probably not the Alabama that we're used to seeing. So while I still think that Texas is a very good team and, and is deservedly a favorite against the Jayhawks, I do wonder just whether they are correctly that much of a favorite because the you know the big wins that they had were or I'm sorry the one big win that they have has a lot has lost a little bit of that luster because Alabama definitely looks way down this year compared to what they usually are. So I, I mean I, I still think that this is a game that you have a lot of questions. Can that defensive line keep it up? And then the other real question is can the Kansas offensive line be able to stop the Kansas defensive line? I'm sorry, the Texas defensive line because that's what I'm worried about. That's the part that caused Kansas problems last year in Lawrence. Now granted Jalen Daniels was just coming back from an injury. Um, so, like, it's not necessarily that, you know, un- unreasonable to think that he is having some problems because he just came back from an injury and the offensive line was not really that great. And it doesn't help, of course, when they have B. John Robinson that can just run the ball down your throat. And so by the time you actually, you know, try to build any kind of momentum, there's just nothing there because you barely ever run the field. So I-, I think that Kansas had some issues last year with some injuries and some, you know, kind of, kind of beat up. And Texas was really pissed off about the last trip down to, to, to Austin that I don't really know that I have a ton of questions though about this team. Like the offense is still just as good as usual. Like the last I saw, if you look at the, the ratings for this Kansas defense, they're in the like top 30, which is not something I thought I would see. Most of the rating systems that have them, you know, still down in the eighties or sixties or whatever, is because it's like SP plus where it takes five years worth of data and like weights it toward the, you know, more recent stuff, but it still has all of that horrible data in the back. That's weighing down how good this team has been. So defense looks phenomenal. And it's, it's weird to be saying that the defense might actually be the stronger unit right now. Uh, 
I would say the the defense is the stronger unit just because of the expectations that were on, on the offense coming into the year and, and thinking you were going to get Jalen back, whether it was, you know, missing a few weeks or right off the bat. But what I thought was the biggest thing, and I, I want to know your opinion on this, but right there in that, that third and fourth quarter, it looked like Jalen Daniels finally figured out the guy that he can count on when he's scrambling around or when he needs to just, you know, throw it up and give somebody a chance. Luke Grimm looked awesome. Yeah, Luke Luke Grimm is I actually I have a writer over at my website Blue Wings Rising who just absolutely loves Luke Grimm. Like that is his his guy. He he talks about him every single chance that he gets. You know, when I asked them all to pick a player to write about over the summer, to like preview immediately within 2 seconds it's like Luke Grimm. That's the guy I'm talking about. So, but he has been a very reliable possession type receiver. And, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that he has he has been really good about finding holes. And so when Jalen Daniels has to scramble, Grimm is able to get into Jalen's field of vision, find a hole, and communicate, you know, silently in a way that he either knows where to lead him to or, you know, knows that he's just going to stick there and, and he can throw it right at him. The other thing that Jalen Daniels is really good, like a lot of this, I think, is just the fact that Daniels has such good field vision. I actually made a comment during the game. Like, I haven't seen a player with just such good field vision when he's scrambling since Patrick Mahomes playing at Texas tech. Again, not saying he's Patrick Mahomes. Cause I get this every single time that, you know, you make a comparison. <laughs> Can't that do that, one right? aspect. He, <laughs> he looks at the field quite a bit, does a really good job of keeping his eyes downfield and finding guys when he's on the run, when you think that he should be, you know, scrambling for his life, trying not to get tackled. And so that's where a lot of the, the scramble plays have really come from is, you know, he's able to, extend the play with his legs but he's still looking downfield trying to find a way to get the ball down there so um what we also saw kind of in the second half of that last game was you know and and Lance Lightbolt actually talked about this in the post-game press conference that against Nevada the week before they had dialed back what they were going to do in terms of quarterback runs they wanted to avoid Jalen Daniels taking a bunch of hits before conference play started um and they took a little bit of time I think to bring that back even in the BYU game Second half, though, when you have Devin Neal and you have Daniel Hyshaw and then you have Jalen Daniels all running, you don't really need to pass. Like, I saw a lot of people talk about the numbers that Jalen Daniels put up, only 130 yards for th with three touchdowns. That's because they were running like crazy. When you run for 221 yards, you don't really need to pass because the entire point of it is you're trying to run the clock out at that point. They, even though they had 20, I think it was 23 less plays than BYU, time of possession was even. 30 minutes and five seconds for BYU, 29 minutes and 55 seconds for KU. And that was because they ran so much, kept that clock running, were able to keep the ball on the ground, did not have to worry about trying to, you know, salt away the game because they were able to go ahead and just do it. So I think that this Kansas offense is just as electric as it's ever been. They just haven't really needed to show it in ways that we're a lot used to seeing it. So people are kind of wondering what's going on, but the defense has taken a huge leap forward and that helps Jalen that, that helps this yeah. offense to not have to be on the field, to not have that pressure of we have to go score every single time. Because I think a lot of people now know what Kansas is able to do, can find some ways to kind of disrupt the timing just a little bit. Kansas is not going to score every drive. I think last year you felt like they had to probably score every drive in order to win. This year they can score on half the drives and then the defense can make some big plays, you know, and, and then they can go ahead and, and be in games at the end. I don't think KU is going to go blow everybody out the rest of the year, but I also don't think that they're going to get blown out at all the rest of the year. Fair enough. Uh, hey, Andy, let's rewind. November 13th, 2021. 
Jalen Daniels as a freshman. They go into Austin. They win 57-56 in one of the more electric games of the college football season to hit to hit the over for everybody. And then also to rewind to 2019, Texas beats them 50 to 48. Why have the Jayhawks been kind of a thorn in the side for the Longhorns in, in Austin? I mean, that's that's the last two games when Kansas wasn't as good as they are right now currently where they've just given Texas complete fits. They beat them in 2016 as well. Yeah, so so 2016 was in Lawrence, and that was a game that Charlie Strong was, like, already on his way out the door, essentially. Yeah. That yeah. was just, like, the nail in the coffin. Like, you knew that he was probably getting fired, and so the idea was you were supposed to, you know, he was supposed to win big against the Jayhawks and then win the next week and qualify for a bowl and maybe get another year. Instead, Kansas beat them at the end of the game, and he was he didn't even get on the plane back home. Like that's how quickly yeah. he got fired. So, yeah. Um, no, it was funny because I was really mad in 2020 when the uh, the game against Tom Herman's Texas Longhorns got uh, COVID, like canceled for COVID twice, because I was making the running joke, which I still am convinced it wasn't a joke, was that Kansas was going to beat Texas again and get Tom Herman fired, and so they were going to fight and get two <laughs> coaches in a row fired. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, unfortunately we didn't get that distinction officially, but I'm still convinced that you know. They got rid of him because they just knew that they couldn't have him face Kansas again because he yeah. was going to get walloped. And, of course, Sark got walloped – or not really walloped, but, you know, Sark's first game against KU was that one where the defense couldn't do anything. And 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 I think a lot of that was made out to be, you know, Texas was losing a bunch of guys and Texas was, you know, dealing with a ton of, like, grief in the locker room, a lot of people that were resisting Sark's, you know, like the way he wanted to build the program and everything. And I definitely think that there was some truth to that. But I think a lot of people overlooked a lot of the players on this Kansas roster. Jalen Daniels, you know, I saw flashes of him in the COVID year. Um, but the problem was that he had an offensive line that literally he was on the run within a second of the ball being snapped every single time. And when you don't have any time to sit there and think, we saw it with Keaton Slovis, when you don't have time to think, you're going to make mistakes. And, yeah. and so Kansas, when Daniels has been able to get more time, He's been able to show what he's able to do. And I think that was his coming out party. But it, it's actually kind of funny because if you really think about it, one of the one of the uh, other podcasts that, that covers KU that I listen to a lot made the point that Jalen Daniels hasn't really gotten the recognition for his role in building this program. Because if you really think about it, the win against Texas, what was the story everyone wanted to talk about? Jared Casey, you know, guy that came out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a great story. You really want to talk about it, but you know, Jared Casey's the one that got all the commercials. Jalen Daniels, yeah, like he was he was known. He was a guy that people were talking about. But it was still kind of like, hey, what's going on here? We want to talk about Jared Casey. Then last year, even though Jalen Daniels got off to a really hot start in the first five, you know, games, a lot of the talk was about Lance Leipold, which, again, deservedly so. But then he gets injured, and Jalen Daniels doesn't really get talked about again until the Liberty Bowl, where, you know, you can't ignore a 550 total yard, you know, performance with a ton of touch. Like he put on a performance that made people pay attention to him coming to the year. Yes. He was the big 12 offensive preseason player of the year, but I still think there's a lot of people that are underselling what he does. And so he has talked about how he wants to go out and make a name for himself. That's his goal this year is to get people to pay attention to him. And the way to do that is obviously by having success at the team, not just what he does. Yeah. Because as we saw, you know, with like Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel, if, if that team was six and six, then nobody would have cared about Texas A&M at all or, or Manziel. Um, you know, so they have an internal expectation, KU does, or at least from what I've heard, of nine and three this year. And I think a lot of people thought they were crazy when they heard that. But 
you look at what this team's done and you look at what this team is, you know, set up for and who's on that schedule. And to be honest, nine and three might be the floor now. Yeah. Especially with how weak this big 12 is. Hey, yeah. Troy, I think that was our prediction preseason, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I, I was the one going out. I was yeah. the one going out on a saying, I thought eight and eight, eight wins was guaranteed and that nine was <laughs> to the floor. And people were like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, well, that was me too. They it's don't even have, they don't even have Jalen in like top seven or top 10 Heisman talk yet. And it's, I understand that right now it's all, you know, statistical based and there might be one important win or something like that, but the disrespect is still there. Like it, you tell people they're going to win games. Now they're still looking at you like you're crazy. Like what? It's Kansas. Right. You talk about like any, any guy that wins the Heisman has to have a Heisman moment. Like he has to have that game where he's the reason that they win against a big time opponent. This is Jalen's chance this week against mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a good game and he shows out in this game. They're going to be talking about him the rest of the year. Even if Kansas loses to like Oklahoma and loses to Kansas State, being like they're still going to be talking about what Jalen Daniels did. And this is like the game to put himself on the map. Um, you know, I last year, I, th- I think I talked about this last week, but but last year, January of 2021, I think it was 2021. Yeah. Well, anyway, January before last season, I was asked to give a bold prediction because I, I have a Big 12 podcast that I that I co-host. Uh, with a with a great friend from our from our network and um you know he asked me for a bold prediction and my bold prediction was that Kansas was going to go bowling and everybody laughed at but like laughed at me and this was you know before that season so this was right after you know that Texas game and then you lost to TCU and you lost you know uh, I believe it was Texas Tech at the end of the year as well and you know I I made that and then all of a sudden they start out five and zero and everyone's like like what the heck's going on it's like this is a team that is much improved and I think they improved again this year coming into it you know last year the big focus was get these guys stronger get these guys bigger so that they're more like have that big 12 physique this year coming into this year it was get these guys faster so they can get to where they need to be and you're seeing that in the defense especially whereas before guys would have to commit to breaks to try to jump routes or try to do a lot of this stuff you had to commit to it really early in order to be able to get there in time they're able to wait now and really get you know get those breaks really late you saw that with Melo Dotson almost returned the first pass from BYU, you know, for, for a pick six. And then Kobe Bryant gets that, you know, fumble on the next play. But then you start the second half too, you know, and you get a, uh, um, oh gosh, I feel really bad because now I just completely forgot who I was about to talk about. Uh, yeah, let's see. Melo Dotson was in the first one. And then uh, the second one was, uh, I'm going to feel really bad because I was just talking about him on my podcast, but they had another opportunity to get, a, oh, OJ Burroughs. He jumped a route. He had the ball in his hands. He was going to the end zone and he dropped it. And then two plays later, you get the double pick, you know, the double tip six, basically where, where two different players knocked it up for, for Kenny Logan. So this is a team that has a bunch of playmakers all around the place. And they're all playing, I think a whole lot better than people are actually paying attention to. Talk about this matchup a little bit, Andy. I mean, going into, this isn't your, I mean, especially from the Kansas side of things, because last year, even when you played Texas, and I mean, Texas won pretty good there, but it, 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 you were in a different position, right? Quarterback, it wasn't like Jalen Daniels in the first five games. But this matchup is the two ranked teams from the Big 12. This, there's been a whole culture shift, you know, explaining it well. We got to get these guys bigger, then we got to get them faster. You got the right coaches. And now it's like, wow, these are the two favorites in the Big 12. You got Texas and Kansas, and Kansas is – as Ryan was saying, usually been a thorn in Texas's side, like kind of just on paper and then with everything leading up to this point, how do you see this matchup playing out 
and maybe not necessarily want to give your full predictions yet, but like playing out areas of maybe concern where Kansas may lack areas where you're like, actually Kansas needs to take advantage and exploit this area against Texas. What do you see? Well, I mean, I think regardless, Texas is going to get yards. Like they're, they're going to get there. But what we have seen from this Texas team is that they're very inconsistent offensively. Quinn Ewers can have a absolutely phenomenal quarter and then go cold for three quarters. You know, he can take forever to get going and then all of a sudden turn it on in the fourth quarter. He has entire games where they're really good or entire games where they're really like, you don't know what you're getting from Quinn Ewers. There's a reason that he is not one of the higher ranked QBs in the big 12. I think right now he's like, if you go look at pro football focus, I believe he's number eight in the big 12. Yeah, because um, of his inconsistencies. Absolutely. Right, because he's really good or he's really yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. And the really bad is bad enough that it really you know, cuts into what he can do. Um, this is not the same Texas team in terms of running either. Like, I think this is a Texas team that their biggest strengths are on the offensive and defensive lines. And if those two units can dominate, then it allows them to do a lot of different things. The problem with that is that Kansas's defense, yes, they bring a ton of pressure. Um but they have a ton of playmakers in that, in those linebacker and in the secondary positions, like you can get those quick passes and I'm sure Kansas will give up plenty of those quick passes, but you're not going to be able to get, you know, 50 yards a pop, you know, for, you know, six different plays in this game, because they have the guys that can chase you down. They have the guys that can get there and make it a lot more difficult. Instead, you're going to get, you know, five, seven, eight, you're going to string a whole bunch of those together. And then if you make a mistake, hey, guess what? There's a defender there to capitalize on it, take a big sack, you know, force the fumble, do something to disrupt the drive. That's where Kansas has been most successful defensively. It's not bringing down the total yards. And I think that's why a lot of people still sleep on them. Um, I think that they can do the same sort of thing against Texas. Alabama did a similar sort of thing to Texas for quite a while. And then all of a sudden Texas broke out. I just, I think that that's where this <laughs> game is going to be won or lost is if, if, if Texas has, you know, five plays of 40 yards or more than Kansas is cooked because, you know, they're not going to be able to like, they could probably match a lot of those on their offensive side, but that adds a whole lot of pressure to this defense. I do think that Kansas is going to get an opportunity to get a couple turnovers. The question is going to be, does Kansas turn the ball over themselves? If they can hold on to the ball, you know, they've had a fumble issue, but I do think that that's what keeps this game close is the fact that Kansas is probably going to win the turnover battle by one or two. I wouldn't be shocked if they scored one of those. Um, I just think this is going to be a very close game. I am. I was shocked to see that the like. I understand why the line came out at sixteen to start, but I also, you know, realize that a lot of that's because most people still don't take KU seriously, which is weird because they're ranked now. Like, it's a ranked team. Come on, pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a real quick one. Even though I kind of jumped in before rush, uh, the fact that they're given sixteen points is one of the easiest bets of all time. But um, I think it's going to be a pretty close game, too. And that's going to come down to the whole world finally having to decide who's the better coach between Lance Flypold and Steve Sarkeesian. And I know I'm going to get a biased answer on this one, and that's the one that I want. So <laughs> Look, I don't think I mean, it's biased. No, I, I really don't think it is. <laughs> I mean, Sark has had, Sark has had he is sober right now, too. We have to add it. Sober Sark. So that's a little bit better. <laughs> well, I mean. The other, the other thing, too, though, is like Sark's had plenty of opportunities with very high level programs, um, you know, everywhere that he stepped in. It's been yeah, it's been teams that haven't really been great when he stepped in, but they've had tons of talent. You look at what Lance Leipold's done. He's built like, yes, Wisconsin Whitewater. He was part of building that program and took over, you know, after it was already an established program. Sure, that's fine. But it's still D3 to have that kind of success. 
he goes to Buffalo and gets them turned around in two years. Um, and then, you know, jumps from Buffalo to can't like, so he has shown the ability to coach up players. And I think the other thing too, is like, you know, if you flip Sark and Leipold, um, I don't think either of those guys are nearly as successful um, yeah. as Leipold is at, is at Kansas. Like, I don't think Sark could do with Kansas, what, what Leipold's doing. And I don't think that Leipold's style would work well at Texas at all, because it's all about identifying guys that get overlooked, coaching them up, having those solid fundamentals, making sure that the system is adding things to the talent that you have and going from there, you know, Texas is all about flash. Like you go down there and you, you make a big scene, you, you know, you, you show what you can do. You get yourself ready for the NFL draft. Like it's all about how can I make myself stand out and also, you know, help the team win sometimes too. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that Sark is the perfect kind of coach for that kind of style. But it's going to be inconsistent. We see it with like John Calipari at Memphis, um, you know, for for college basketball. You get a lot of those really young guys and you're not building them that continuity in your system and allowing guys to develop in the system and then really understand what they're supposed to be doing. You're going to have a high variance. You're going to have really great years. You're going to have really bad years. And I think we've seen that from Texas time and time again. Kansas is at the point where they are building a consistent program. And I think it's more sustainable in the long term to not have, you know, those gigantic bottom drops out sort of thing. Um, but it's going to take a lot longer to get there, you know, and it's also going to be one of those things where like, I think Kansas is ceiling from year in and year out. I could probably average, you know, eight wins a year, I, I think is, is reasonable unless the big 12, you know, allows them opportunities to be much more competitive every single year and, and potentially win the conference, you know, going nine and three. Um, like, I think it's, it's, you know, good though, to see this team, being able to get those consistent records and then have a year where they jump up and win 10 games and, and win the conference or something like that. I just think that Leipold is a much better coach for the Jayhawks. I think Sark is a better coach for a Texas style. But if you ask me which one I want, if I'm trying to build a program or if I'm not like a team that has, you know, pretty much unlimited NIL money, I would want a guy like Leipold because yeah. he's, he's able to adapt. He's able to build a, program that can be consistent even with a bunch of things outside of your control really stepping in and causing problems and i just don't think that sar can do that andy you're a busy guy before we get out of here obviously we asked you for your prediction last week you're right uh, they i believe you said uh kansas would get a late cover and they they did so by winning by 10 um I think we mentioned it. The line's at, well, it said 16 and a half. It opened at 17 and a half. I bet it at 17 and a half, so I feel good about getting the better of the number. So I got it Sunday night. I said that was my first bet, 17 and a half for the Jayhawks. I think it's inflated because Texas beat Alabama. But if you really pull back the curtain and look at what Texas has done since the Alabama game, they got doubled in time of possession by Wyoming. Wyoming had more yards than them with a backup quarterback. Peasley did not play the same guy that beat Texas Tech. They were right there to win. Uh, Baylor, yeah, they blew out Baylor, but Baylor had almost 400 yards of offense. They just kept stalling in the red zone. And Baylor's a bad football team, especially a bad offensive team. Right. Baylor this is a is, team that um, is contending for, like, worst team in FBS. They're horrible. Like, that's how bad they are. And, Andy, we know who Texas has next week. And we know what that game is going to mean to both the Longhorn fan base and the Sooner fan base. This is literally – the perfect time to play them. Nobody's giving you a shot. Uh, you're, you're 17 point dogs. You're plus 575 on the money line. 
You give you give the Jayhawks a shot to pull pull the upset and shock the college football world. There's well, plenty of upsets me, this year. Yeah, let me put it this way. When your head coach in Sark goes into his press conference and completely misunderstands the way that Kansas has been successful on the defensive line, you have to feel good about it. He talked yeah. about how the Kansas defensive line, you know, brought in a whole bunch of transfers and all the guys that are really contributing are transfers. Somehow he completely missed the fact, you know, Jeremy Robinson, who's been with this team for like three years and is the best, like he's, he doesn't have the most sacks, but he gets the most pressures consistently. You have Hayden Hatcher, who's come on really strong. Tommy Dunn Jr. Like you have guys that have been here and then have developed that are playing significant roles for this team. Sure, Austin Booker gets you know big flash. Like Gage Keys has a sack. You know he he comes in. He's a transfer guy. You have Patrick Joyner, who's a transfer guy, but he doesn't actually play as much as some of the other guys. They have been very successful in the transfer portal, grabbing the pieces they need. You know to have that kind of success, but that wouldn't be possible without the foundation that's been built by all of these guys that have been with the program for at least three years. So the fact that your head coach, you know, with for Texas is talking about like their defensive line is so successful because everybody is, you know, a transfer that they went and got a whole bunch of guys. Like I think he meant it as a compliment, but what it really showed to me was that he just, he doesn't understand actually how this team is successful. And maybe it's because he hadn't done much scouting yet. Um, You know, maybe they're, they're actually paying more attention to it now, but it just feels like they're overlooking what Kansas is able to do. They're going to assume that, hey, we're the number three team in the nation. We have all this talent. We can go ahead and line it up. I'm going to actually say it now because um, I've actually put this out there, but I actually think Kansas pulls off the upset. I don't think I that it's it. like a like a cover. This is a team that is taking a lot of people by surprise. I think the defense is significantly better than anyone's giving them credit for. Like, I look at what they've done defensively. It's hard for me to not think that if I'm picking defenses, you know, Kansas is probably in the top 15, 20 and take that with a offense that is still one of the best. Oh, oh. And by the way, you look at the Kansas offensive line. They are ranked after the BYU game third. I believe it's third in passing blocking pass blocking efficiency and fifth in run blocking efficiency. That's opponent adjusted. Um, it might've changed a little bit because that, that, that might've been before the BYU numbers, but I can't imagine that BYU would have made it look worse. So this is an offensive line that plays really well. They don't, again, they don't have a ton of, they don't have a ton of guys that you would look at and say, oh yeah, that's a, you know, NFL player or anything like that. But they have guys that understand the system, use leverage really well. And they have a monster blocking tight end in Jared Casey. I cannot count the number of times where I've seen a run to the outside that Jared Casey is not the lead blocker and blowing somebody up. So I think that Kansas has what it takes. I think that they're not going to, back down texas is really not used to people really coming and punching them in the mouth because like the wyoming game they didn't play that one well but it's not like wyoming was lighting them up like wyoming got a lot of yards late in that game and was able to really kind of do a ton of things in that first half but it was more because texas was just screwing up it wasn't because wyoming was playing really well so when you get a team like kansas that can actually play very well can be very efficient i worry about obviously like you have to worry about jumping off sides on a you know fourth and or something like that because this is a very aggressive defense but i think this is a team that has all the pieces they need to go and punch texas in the mouth and then hold on for a win much like they did a couple years ago yeah and you know if that game gets tight late when there's text we've seen it for years and years and years they they, they will pucker up and just like the cowboys did on sunday in arizona they if that thing is close in the fourth quarter that that favors the better quarterback the better coach and I'm with you. They just got to get to the fourth quarter, keep that thing around a one-possession game, 
Hopefully they got the lead and closed that thing out. So Plus, and- I got to be honest. I asked Bill, uh, Bill Connolly over at ESPN, like, yeah, what would S- like how much would SP Plus freak out if Kansas beat Texas this year? And the gift say? response that I got was just absolutely phenomenal. So I really want to see it now, just to see how much. <laughs> you know, the the other thing that doesn't get talked about, Kansas actually, uh, according to SP Plus, has the number one ranked special teams unit in the nation, which bringing in Sean Snyder from like old yeah. Kansas State guy. Um, case stater oh man it was so weird bill snyder came to lawrence to root on his son like seeing him come <laughs> to kansas did he wear jayhawk gear no he didn't wear jayhawk yeah, gear he did he did wear body. a blue jacket but it was <laughs> not jayhawk gear never but never never <laughs> i know it was so weird to see it but hey you know what i'll take it but yeah i mean this this kansas team they're they're due for a breakout you win this game and kansas becomes the story of the year Ooh. And Jalen's a high oh, yeah. candidate on Monday. Absolutely. So, everybody, go check out Andy Mitts over at the Rock Chalk Podcast. Like you said, basketball season's around the corner. Uh, Kansas is going to be preseason number one. Best basketball league in America, hands down. Don't even give me Big East or any other league. It's not even close. Big 12 is loaded once again. Andy, pulling for you, plus 575 on the money line. And uh, look forward to having you back in the future. Hoops right around the corner. Yep, for sure. Thanks, guys. Rock chalk horns. Thanks, down, Andy. Baby. See yeah, you, down. See you, man. <laughs> Andy Mitz from the Rock Chalk Podcast. Great guy. Okay, back to back weeks, man. I I I like his game plan on how they're going to pull the upset. Uh, we'll dive into the rest of or the other four games on the slate on the other side. But first, we got to talk about Beeson because we're brought to you by Beeson. Sign up now and save forty percent off. Uh, football season special when you use the promo code SGP. VEASAN.com, so subscribe, promo code SGP. Sean and Ryan are in a contest right now over at VEASAN to show us who sells the most subscriptions. The winning show gets a $1,000 Super Bowl future. The best part is Ryan and Sean are going to cut a prize or cut a uh, piece of that prize if they get the win. Well, they're going to win. And come on, this is SGPN. <laughs> Go to VEASAN.com, subscribe, use the promo code SGP to sign up. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash VEASAN and submit your proof of purchase. And if they win, you'll get to vote uh, of what to use the $1,000 Super Bowl future on. And if it hits, you'll get paid an equal price of the action. How about that? So get it over there, mm. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code SGPN. Uh, then sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash VEASAN to submit. And we're also brought to you by our favorite Hall of Fame bets win bigger by betting smarter in the NFL season with Hall of Fame bets, sports analytics, platform, player props, game lines, research, NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer with historical data. Enter a parlay, a revolutionary parlay to get every leg broken down, sorts of all player rates, which players are hot and which ones get the best value. Stop betting in the dark. We got over 30,000 users researching the Hall of Fame bets, more intelligent data driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app. Or visit hofbets.com. Use the promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching and start winning today with Hall of Fame Bets. And we're back on the Big 12 College Experience. Big 12 Game of the Week. Uh, let's go over to the other games. Friday night. We got we got a Friday night spotlight game, Rush. Here we go. Your boys. There we go. Line's a little short. Uh, I, I'm kind of surprised. Uh early look ahead or opened up at two and a half, got up to three in some spots, but coming down to one and a half over under 48 and a half. 
Rush, do you know if there's an injury or something with the with the Cougs maybe potentially that we're missing here? So I've even seen this go down to one on some books. Um, I haven't heard anything. As we know, in college football, you don't have to submit. No doubt. Um, you know, Winningham. <laughs> injury reports and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but this is – I mean, I have – BYU absolutely killing Cincy in this game, especially going out to Provo, yeah. uh, coming off that Kansas loss, which, I mean, hey, pre- appreciate the the Kansas guy coming on the Rock Chalk podcast, but, man, that's a game BYU should have won right there. I, I, I mean, three turnovers. No, I mean, Keaton looked phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. So maybe I won't say they should have won. I mean, they, they that score was not a representation of the actual game itself. But you like to think they come back back here, bounce back, and absolutely dominate Cincinnati. So I don't know what's going on with this line. Maybe they think Cincinnati's do too, but I don't think so. I, I'm still – whatever's going on, going for BYU here, especially the home field advantage alone is worth like Troy, double, like six points. Yeah, the altitude. Troy, do you think it's they're getting caught up with the with the with how good the Cincinnati D-line is maybe? Yeah, a little bit. Maybe some of that Oklahoma game like we were talking about, there, there's probably a – in 90 other percent of the timelines that Cincinnati Oklahoma game is probably 20 to 13, maybe even 20 to 16. If they can score any of the times that they turn the ball over in the red zone. Yeah. But this is Emory Jones on the road. This is the line should never be going in Cincinnati's direction ever. Like you can fade this line movement hard as fuck. This is Emory Jones looked bad at home. I mean, I guess he didn't look horrible, but when, when you need guys to succeed, like the difference between a quarterback and a bad quarterback is Jalen only throws for 160 or 100 yards, but he throws three touchdowns because you get down there into the red zone. It becomes a little more difficult. Count on your best player to make a play. Emory Jones is never going to do that. I I agree with you guys, man. And You know, I will say the line movement this year has not been as sharp as it has been in years past. To be honest, if you've been yeah. fading the line movement, I think you've actually been profitable which is usually, which means it's probably going to start swinging back the other way. I mean, these things always have a way of evening it, it out. But I know uh, Cincinnati stats look good, but man, Emory Jones is still Emory Jones, and then that altitude, like Rush said, in September, I I think BYU should be able to pound them. I mean, that place is going to be on fire. This is a Big Twelve opener, Rush. Yeah, I mean, so I'm looking up right here. Deseret News is saying big outlet out in Utah is saying that they. They could be shorthanded against Cincinnati in this game, which is kind of what we figured. But, okay, I mean, dude, here's the thing. It's Emory Jones out in Provo Friday night. Um, a lot of people may it. not know this. L- LDS, so twice a year they have what's called conference where no one actually goes to church, but it's kind of from, from a national level, so to speak. And so that's why the game's Friday night and not Saturday because it takes place over two days. And – Trust me, they're going to, before they have to sit down and watch church for two straight days, they're going to be <laughs> riled up at that stadium. They're going to be going, they're going to be going crazy. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm with you, Ryan. It definitely seems like in college, especially the mid-major level, but even some games like this in San BYU, the line movement, I, I think Vegas tries to be sharp on it, but you can only be so sharp at the amateur level. I'm, I'm in disagreement here. I'm, I'm, I'll look at alternative lines for BYU. I'm very confident about this. Yeah, game. I was about to throw at least two and a half out there. If it's going to keep moving the other way, you could definitely look alternate two and a half on a field goal. Just something that's kind of safe, maybe maybe up your yeah. profits a little bit. But Jay Hill's going to make Emory Jones look so dumb. 
<laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. We're 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 all gonna be on the Cougs. Check out our Thursday pick show for final official picks. Uh I mean talk I mean, how far is Baylor falling? They're they're fucking eleven and a half point dogs uh in in at the bounce house. I mean, we thought this is a good spot for UCF in the preseason, but we didn't know Baylor would be a total dumpster fire. Talk about injured quarterback shaping and plumley. I mean, this seems like the common theme in this league. Yeah, but the the getting an injury a piece and getting to play Baylor, you would take that every day of the week because Sawyer, I mean, they, I don't even know if Sawyer Robinson's is going to play the they just look so bad. They don't know what they want to do. The defense gives up right away. As soon as the offense starts like sputtering at all, they realize, Oh my God, this is going downhill quick. That long Island game, their only win of the year was fucking embarrassing. And yeah. it's their only win of the year. So, I mean, I 11 and a half is a lot for a backup quarterback, but in the bounce house, there's this, this, this kind of has that like 45 to 14 written all over it. Rush, uh, Shapin did suit up for Texas, but he didn't play. Do you think there's any chance yeah. he plays? Or they might just be I mean, going in the towel. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's always a chance, and I don't know his the transfer portal situation. I mean, I think those rules change every year. But I think when you get this early, these teams, especially with high expectations to start the season, they start off so bad. Anyone with potential eligibility, they're not going to want to ruin it um, to maybe move to a different team or at least not waste it this year. I do want to say – I have public apology. I'll just say it right now for picking a Baylor, Texas Tech, Big 12 championship. However, like I said, that's preseason stuff. What do we say on this show? Preseason doesn't matter, right? It's actually when we get to the weeks and get in the game. So I think my picks are 33 to one parlay and everything else that we, we've done since that point. I've, I've more than made people their money off of that. So to, to make up for any potential futures, but dang. Yeah, Baylor's no longer. I guess Baylor's that uh, glue factory horse we we were scared of all along, Troy. So Elmer's. yeah, this is yeah <laughs> straight to Elmer. It may not even be Elmer's. It may be like I, dollar store glue. I don't know how many people. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the people remember back in the day, covering your desk in glue and like peeling it off the whole thing. You you would do <laughs> yeah. that, and then they would give you like whipped cream to wash your desk on the last day of like third grade. They'll, there's <laughs> yeah. about to be a lot of third graders rubbing some Baylor around. No kidding, man. <laughs> uh, from another from another quarterback injury to another one, we go to Lubbock. Tyler Shucks out. Uh, Donovan Smith's uh, revenge game. Dana Holgerson revenge game. This line actually just dropped to nine. I heard Morton is banged up for Texas Tech, so maybe get a little third string. I mean, I can't remember this league ever being this banged up at the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I mean, you got West Virginia. We'll get to them in a minute. It's everybody. Well, Ryan, I think you're even seeing this in the NFL now. It's the problem is no one wants to hit in preseason anymore, so no one conditions their body. Like, yep. people forget, oh, we got to see him for the season. Yeah, you get those injuries once in a while. It's like, oh, the star player goes down. He's out for the season. But then because they don't condition themselves in the first, you know, the training camps and stuff, you get an Aaron Rodgers or you get name any quarterback in the Big 12 right now. So, at least that's my take on it. It's I think we've gotten so soft. We're like, oh, can't have this, can't have that. And then you actually get to the season and this happens. So, um, but yeah, this game, I will say, I want to give Morton credit. He actually looked pretty good and he was, he was pretty decent last year. He actually might be better than Chuck. Um, but if, if he's a little banged up, then I, 
man, that's a lot. I mean, even if it's nine, 10 points, that's a lot of points. And you got to think the, uh, the Donovan Smith, uh, Dana revenge angle is going to be, you know, yeah. you know, Dana's getting these guys fired up for this game. And then they got a in West Virginia. So I think from the West Virginia fan standpoint, I'm actually want Houston to pull this out, but this is, that's a lot of points for Texas tech. And I will say, Troy, this has been last year, Texas tech won by three. So I know they weren't in the same league. This has been a close game in years past. And they've talked about Houston, how much this game means to them. Well, the the biggest issue with Houston has been their offense doesn't doesn't really operate that well and definitely not that consistently. And then, you know, in the games where the offense has even been able to do a little bit, it gives their defense enough of a rest. But when they go out there and they try to run quick and punt the ball after a minute and a half or two minutes of possession, the defense starts to get torched. I um, I mean, 10 points is just way too much, uh, especially knowing that, you know, Houston has trouble scoring. Texas Tech is going to have two banged up quarterbacks. This could be just like that UTSA game. This one could be 17-14 or like 21-17 or something like that. Uh, I would definitely take the points uh, as long as, I mean, even if it's at nine, that's still a little bit too high. But I, I, I wanted to mention something else about the quarterback injuries. I think they're occurring because we went, so far in the direction of the rules to give the outside offensive players the advantage with pass interferences and what that everybody shifted their focus to getting, you know, supremely physical defensive edge rushers and guys that can both Mm -hmm. rush and plug up the middle. And the, like they're going to have to stop calling holding or quarterbacks are just going to get rocked. Like they're going to have to be a little bit more liberal with what they allow to go holding wise, because good point. If you if you call holding as tight as you do and you've got like nobody's blocking Dante Carleone without fucking hugging him. So like, yeah, if you let that guy come right up the middle and you're worried about, you know, somebody kind of grabbing the jersey on the inside of their body, like guys are going to get slapped and they're going to get hurt. And, you know, now guys are trying to make more plays on the outside. They're not conditioned to game speed. There's there's no. The spring game doesn't mean anything. Nobody's fighting for spots unless it's like the the 20th guy on the starting roster. You don't have quarterbacks out there going head-to-head with any real chance of – Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be – it's definitely the next evolution is you got to have two or three quarterbacks on the roster that can all run the system. Stay tuned. Uh, this game just dropped to eight now, too. So, there, there's clearly an injury. They're listening to us. Yeah, no doubt. So, we're moving the market – from one injury to it, uh, this one doesn't really have an injury. This had a gambling scandal. Quietly, Rocco Beck <laughs> for the Iowa State Cyclones is getting better and better. Uh, they had the big flu uh, deal at Ohio where they had all those guys out. Bounced back nicely against uh, Oklahoma State. Gundy did play one quarterback. He played Bowman finally. Uh, Bowman actually wasn't that bad, to be honest. He no. scored 27 points. Uh, Troy, uh, I'll go right to you on this one. Iowa State's been the kryptonite, man. This is this is still look ahead. I I I'm anticipating the tight game here. It's Norman. This is, I mean, maybe you can wait on the line to get down to like 18 and a half or 17 and a half if it, if it moves anywhere in that direction. But uh, oh, Rocco Beck has looked significantly better than anybody expected, and the only problem is Dylan Gabriel's looked as good as everybody's expected. And with this game being in Norman, they can't, they can't use the slow grass and, 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 and kind of control the clock. I think I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Oklahoma even covers at 20. 
Even with Texas on deck? Even with Texas on deck, for sure. So so the history of this rivalry or matchup, I guess it – I mean, Iowa State's beat them. Uh, in the last five games, 14 points, 7, 6, 7, 1. So Campbell's had had their uh, I just don't here. think the teams are nearly as comparable this year. Like I agree. The talent difference is significantly different than before. And that's never been, you know, Matt Campbell's strength, but – everything going on and again i i think it's the league set up oklahoma for this as like a thank you in their last year so what do you think rush what no i agree i think i i think iowa state they'll 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 give teams trouble when they're home but because of just the limitations and everything that happened in the off season i think when they go on the road it's just it's just not going to be good and i don't i don't think oklahoma i know red rivers around the corner but I actually think, from a Texas perspective, that's a, that's a bigger impact when you have can when you have to focus for Kansas and then you have to and you have Oklahoma on deck. I don't. This one may have a close first half. I could I could see it. Iowa State covering in the first half, then I could see Oklahoma the the last thirty minutes just being like, all right, let's get serious, let's grind this out, and we got Texas next week, and then they end up covering. So hey, we got a we got an SEC guy in the chat. Who's that? Michael Park. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma covers. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's <laughs> riding all the Red River. Those, <laughs> those Cyclones and Jayhawks. Uh, moving along. I'll oh, get the fuck out of here with this number again. They just keep on disrespecting us. Lay, Texas Let Tech it. laying six in Morgantown. Get that shit out of here. Get this number out of here. West Virginia TCU is always a close game. I don't know what it is. Neil's had their number. Uh I would say, even though Garrett Green was available on Saturday, this line is saying maybe Nico's going to get the start again here, Rush. Would you agree? Yeah, I think a Garrett Green line would probably, he would be worth at least a field goal. So it would probably at least go down to nine and a half. Um, Yeah, historically, we've done really well against TCU, especially in Fort Worth. Uh, you know, Neil Brown lost, lost the game last year, couldn't get out of his own way, but he's finally not getting in his own way. Occasionally he'll try to, don't get me wrong. There'll be one play a game where it's like, Oh, Neil wants to go back. Don't to jinx old. it, Russ. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm with you. I, I, so the way I see this game, I'd probably continue with Nico here. I mean, hell, he, he's not really giving you a reason to take him out. He looked really good last week, last week. He, he, and the terrible shitty conditions, he made some great passes that receivers just could not hold on to the ball. Like the, the, his statistics lines, not as what it should have been. Right. Um, I, I could see this, even if, if we lose this game going into the bye, then having Houston on Thursday night, you know, slip Garrett green back in there. I would say that if Garrett green's available, I would prefer him over Nico, but no I don't, I don't think we're necessarily less capable because Nico's in there. I think Nico's a great, backup to have and I think he could be a great quarterback uh to potentially lead this team one day um but yeah that 12 and a half is probably a Nico line I um I don't think you need to look at the money line on this one to be completely honest like that's not me ruling out West Virginia as a chance to win that's just me saying I don't know if it's going to happen in Fort Worth but at 12 and a half points, you have to take that. I mean, this is a touchdown game. Yeah. Like this is a this is a touchdown game that a fumble completely ruins and Neil Brown looks like a genius or something like that. 
But it is funny. Neil Brown hasn't tripped himself up yet. <clears throat> He's like the dog that just learned not to chase his tail. And every now and then he'll do like the, Ur, like look back at it, but he won't, he won't bite it. He won't go for it. He's like, no, 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 that'll hurt. <laughs> uh, uh, a little history. West Virginia has won four out of five. Uh, TCU with the backdoor cover of backdoor covers last year. That game was tied with like four minutes left. And then TCU got a late touchdown to cover the number. Uh uh teach or neil brown's three and one uh michael parks in the chat bro west virginia ain't beating the frogs you know i've been hearing a lot in the preseason i said they'd be four and one everybody said they're not going to be Pitt. they're not going to be texas tech well here we are three and one and we'll see what happens on saturday all i know is my mountaineers have been shutting up a lot of people we'll see what happens on saturday night nobody giving them a shot once again that's all i'm going to say we'll so, take it this we'll team it. can control the line of scrimmage i don't see I don't think TCU could stop the run. I don't think they could stop this rushing attack. This is going to be a game. That's all if, I'm saying. If any team has a shot, it's the the team that has the mascot with the mullet and beard and a literal <laughs> musket. Like, they always have an actual shot. And the fans it, it, actually always have an actual shot, too. Like, at any point in time, the fans would pull out like, oh, yeah, I got this thing. Here, you want some moonshine? <laughs> and I don't – TCU's atmosphere sucks. For the – like, it, that's, that's kind of a wine and cheese crowd. I'm, I'm for a team that's coming off the national championship. I was so disappointed in their atmosphere against Colorado. That I mean, that that was not hostile. At yeah. All, other than well, like, I mean, we've already played at Penn State well, too. I mean, yeah. For you guys, no, no. everybody's a wine and cheese crowd. You're West Virginia. <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah, too. they don't they don't drink moonshine, do kegs in. Guys got they like the thing to wine in Morgantown is whatever your neighbor's making in his bathtub every weekend. <laughs> we got not, we got fucking ninety year olds doing keg stands before the pit game. You thought we were gonna lose that game? Get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's close it out. We'll we'll uh, pick these games officially on Thursday. But I can already tell you, the Mountaineers will be the dog, plus 350. Uh, <laughs> let's move along. Rush, lead it off with your power rankings. Go 14 to 1. I got your little thing right there. Boom. Four, 14 to 1. So, unfortunately, it kills me that I have to do this. But when you lose to Texas State and just not look good, <laughs> I'm sorry, Baylor. Cheer, I, maybe you get one last chance this week to at least cover against UCF, but it, it's not looking too great. Uh, number 13, I have Cincinnati, Emory Jones on the road. Enough said. Um, 13, uh, Oklahoma State. I Yeah, Bowman didn't look bad, but I there's just still so many questions there. I'm, I have my concerns. Um, 11, Houston. We'll, we'll see what they do against Texas Tech this week. 10, Iowa State. They did a good job grinding it out, and, you know, that's not a place I want to play at. I'm glad West Virginia doesn't have to go to Ames this year. Um, what are we at? Number, what did I do? 14. Sorry, but list is a little cute. Um, next up, Texas Tech. I still have a little faith in them, like they could, but they're kind of going into Baylor territory. Um, they're now up, the dark horse. Baylor's the dead horse. They're now your dark horse. Yeah, the, and we're talking more of that, like, chestnut type horse, right, Troy? Not even, like, the full, like, black stallion, just a nice <laughs> chestnut. Uh, <laughs> um, next, BYU. Listen, BYU's not a bad team. They got to get a little healthy. They got to figure out their running game. But if they don't turn all the ball over, Keenan Slovis looked really good against Kansas last week. And Kansas, you know, when they have two defensive touchdowns, I mean, that's, you can prevent those moving forward in the future. Uh, next, UCF I have. We'll see what happens with Plumlee. Um, that's kind of why I have them a little lower than what they could be. But until we have that question answered, I'm sticking them in the middle. Next up, WVU, baby. 
Let's keep this train rolling from 14th to 6th, man. Feels great. Uh, next up, climb. TCU. Trust in the climb. Climbing up the ranks, keep trusting the club. Next up, TCU. Uh, I mean, they are – defense has a lot of questions until, you know, West Virginia could beat them this week and then we'll have a, we'll switch through. But, I mean, they are the national runner-ups. And until people kind of start taking them off the throne, we'll, we'll keep them at five. Four, I have Kansas State. Can Will Howard stay healthy? That's kind of the similar question I have to UCF is, trust me, if Will Howard's healthy and stuff, you know, I'll move him up the list higher. But need, need to know the availability of the quarterback there. Number three, OU. Not for right now. We'll leave them there. Um, we'll see how they do against Iowa State. It's all until proven otherwise. We'll leave them there at number three. But that that could I could see that falling pretty quickly. Two Kansas. Hey, they're rolling, especially if they beat Texas this week. And unfortunately, I got to put Texas Horns down first. Um, I mean, until I, I as much as I don't want them to win, until proven otherwise, you got to keep them in number one. They did beat Alabama. Did they? Played pretty decent. So this this Kansas-Texas game will answer a lot of questions for us. So there you go. The official power rankings, boys. There you go. Troy, you're on the clock. I was going to say, I have a feeling a lot of these are going to be kind of similar. Uh, Baylor is obviously in the poop shoot. They are very, <laughs> very bad. Um, and I don't see any way that they can make themselves any better, specifically like in the short term. They're just going to be – grinding for like i don't know three two wins three wins they might win one more game um i actually have oklahoma state at 13th too because alan bowman actually looked okay and they still got their ass whooped so (laughs) even if you get even if you get that like average slightly above average quarterback play they're still having issues and I mean, you could almost tell that right off the bat that they were they were much slower of a team than people expected I have uh, Houston and Iowa State both at that, what, 12-11 spot. I think they're kind of interchangeable. They have issues on offense. Every now and then they'll have a few drives that get them rolling, and that gives them a a chance to win. I do think Iowa State's slightly better, but it's week to week, and you know Dana will throw a stinker out and then have a gem of a game in Lubbock or something like that. So I I – with everything that's going on in Ames, I still think that they're they're slightly a little bit lower than they could be. Right of that, I have Cincinnati. I think I think the defense for them is going to give them a chance to get more than like two league wins. They might get a third. Emory Jones is an issue though. Like uh, these these away Big games twelve are going to be rough for Emory Jones. Yeah. yeah. Right above that, I have Texas Tech. Uh, a couple of quarterback injuries kind of bumped them down below the the teams that I kind of rank them around if we were to do any kind of like a tier thought or something like that. Uh, I think they have an okay chance of turning it around though. Uh, they have had a tough schedule and we are, y- you should kind of take the lower ranking with a, with a grain of salt. If there's a chance, you know, they don't, they finish their season with a really, really tough schedule. Yes. That's, yeah, that's so why maybe- they're, they're, they're in trouble, man. they, they they remember they backloaded that schedule them and TCU yeah. yeah, and then right above that I have BYU. Um, I have kind of BYU and UCF at an interchangeable spot right now with with the unknown of John Reese Plumley. But if he plays, I would have UCF up there even with Kansas State uh, when I get to them. But Jay Hill's BYU defense is also going to give them a chance to frustrate some quarterbacks. Even if it is guys like. 
I mean, Jalen looked okay. He made the plays that he needed to. They couldn't really stop the run, but they're going to have an easier time like stopping the run against Oklahoma at home and forcing Dylan to scramble around and maybe make some mistakes. So I could also see BYU being a team that maybe finishes more in that like top five power ranking area. So it goes BYU, UCF, and then I have WVU right there. Um, moving on up, the, the, the climb seems to be working. Uh, I would almost think that not having green has made it such a simple offense that Neil Brown can't bite his tail. Like he knows the, the option's not even there. We have to stick to what we're already doing. And that's what's winning them games. And I mean, we're going to continue to harp on it. So if they keep that up, I mean, I have TCU right above them. They, they will obviously switch if, if they're able to win that game. Um, even if it's only like a three-point game on the road, I would still have them at pretty much equal team uh, uh, like composition and makeup. And then the top four uh, starts with K-State. Didn't really like that loss to Missouri. I, I mean, I know Missouri's playing okay, and they were kind of the national one of the national dark horse picks. But I really, I really expected K State to be a little bit more successful running the ball. And if they have any issues with that, anything else kind of falls apart. So I have them at that four spot right now. We'll see if if Will's actually banged up or if if he can kind of right the ship. I also have Oklahoma at three. I. I think you can't move them down. The offense has looked good enough that they're gonna they're gonna have a chance to win all of these games, even if even if they're giving up yards. They might slip up and they might not stay in that top three, but for now, we'll see what happens. I mean, they get Texas in two weeks. They've got a chance to move up pretty quick. Um, because Rush put Texas number one, I'm putting them at number two, uh, and rightfully so because I have Kansas at one, and I was on Kansas from day one. Um, hoping that the win this weekend could really solidify it, but it's down in Austin. It's going to be a tough, tough game. If Kansas is able to pull that off, that's, that's the real deal team. Oh yeah. All righty. I will, uh, I'll dive right into mine. Um, 14, I mean, Baylor, I don't think you can really make a case for anybody else. 13, I I hate to say it, I got Oklahoma State because of that loss South Alabama. But I, I do think Gundy has a chance to turn it around a little bit out of the bye. I think they found some things in that Iowa State game. I'll trust the coaching there out of the bye. Uh, 12, Houston, up and down. Same with Cincinnati, I got them at 11. Both teams, I, I don't trust the quarterback position. Uh, Iowa State at 10, I, I think. They're starting to find themselves a little bit playing better football. Number nine, Texas Tech. Um, they, they're, I guess they could get back in the race, but with the backup quarterback, Morton, he may be banged up. If they get to the third string, I know they pulled it off last year. It's going to be hard to duplicate. Eight, BYU. Got to see some more from that offense, a little more consistency. Seven, UCF. Even though UCF is probably the hardest one to gauge because with Plumlee, they're a top four, five team. Uh, just like you guys said, West Virginia at number six, by far the most underrated team, uh, most hated team in the league from a national media narrative standpoint. It's ugly. I get it. But, hey, they're going to just run the shit out of the ball right down your throat, and you got to stop it. Uh, five, TCU kind of ride the ship after that uh, Colorado debacle. Um, four, I actually differed here. 
I went Kansas. I I, I want to see it just against one of the top teams. I like the offense, but I just want to see it against a top-tier team. K-State, I'm not going to overreact to the Missouri loss. I know that was disappointing, but Will Howard was banged up. Uh, they're, they're starting to roll now that they got back into Big 12 play. It's what they always do. Lose that game in the non-con and then start rolling. Two, Oklahoma uh, undefeated. And, of course, I you know, we got to go Texas at number one just so that we can jinx them coming up this week. That's what they do. And uh, I, I saw Michael in the chat when the Big Brothers leave. Big Brothers haven't made it to Dallas in uh, the last couple of years, so I don't know what Big Brothers you're talking. You talking about Baylor, Oklahoma State, or are you talking TCU, K State? I've watched the Big Twelve uh, Championship the last couple of years. I ain't seen those two schools you're talking about. So a lot of football and, to um, be played. Go we ahead. We do Troy. have to mention that uh, Kansas and Texas aren't the only two ranked schools. Oklahoma is number fourteen. They they are still undefeated and ranked. They are. Yeah, they're solid. But you know, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if Venables will. Won't shit himself just like last year. Uh, a lot of football to be played. Uh, Rush, let's get out of here. We'll be back Thursday with our picks edition. Tell everybody where to find you and all your good work, my man. At Rambling Rush on Twitter and Instagram. And for the West Virginia side of things, check out Ryan and me on the Ryan and Rush show. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Appreciate all the support, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, you guys Troy. can find me on the you can find me on the X at Troy Tuning, just the full name T R O Y C H E W N I N G, and um, pay attention to some of the uh, the main network, just the SGPN uh, reaction videos on Sunday nights for the uh, NFL. I've been calling in on the show on Twitter Spaces just to dick on Dak Prescott because I fucking hate <laughs> that guy. Um, and when I, when I called in first, uh, you know, I'm, I'm DC sports Messiah on Twitter. So they're, they're assuming I wanted to talk about commanders and I had to tell them that Who are the I'm commanders? Named after, yeah, the Redskins I had, I had to tell them I was named after Troy Aikman and they, they thought I was about to go off on the Cowboys being good. And when I went the other way, man, the Eagle the Eagles fans were loving it. They were like, holy crap, a realistic Cowboys fan. So yeah, if I'm you know YouTube, all the other channels, I'm getting pretty involved in the stuff. Hey, all I know is the Cowboys were unbeatable last week. This week, the Longhorns are unbeatable. What could go wrong? Horns down and they let it ride. See everybody Thursday. Let it ride, baby.